You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Susan Abert. Susan, thanks so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted. Susan, I think I should start by asking you, um, where, where are you at the moment? It's July 14th in 2021. You're still a professor at Bard College, and is that where you are now? Yes, it is. I'm at my home in Hyde Park in upstate New York, which is located fairly close to the Bard campus. So let's talk about your work. Um, I know we're going to do a very specific dive today, but, but what are you working on? What's on your, your plate these days? Well, I'm, uh, as always, doing a lot of work on surrealism. It seems to be gaining more and more popularity, and in particular, the women artists associated with surrealism. There are a number of upcoming exhibitions all around the world, it seems. So um, I'm working on that. And that's interesting. So before we dive right into uh, specifically Leonora Carrington, uh, the, the kind of rebirth, or it sounds like a renewed interest in uh, surrealism sounds so interesting to me. Um, and especially you're saying the women, that that's a trend you're seeing? Or, or, or uh, what, what, it absolutely what? is. It's a, it's a big trend. It's, it's fascinating, and I'm not sure I have the answers. Uh, the Metropolitan Museum, right where I am, will be opening in October a big global surrealism exhibition, and that will go to the Tate. And then there's going to be a surrealism and magic exhibition at the Venice Guggenheim. Uh, and the Venice Biennial uh, has been also dedicated to one of Carrington's books. So everywhere is this renewed interest, but not in canonical surrealism per se, but in a more diverse and expanded understanding of it. And, and in terms of, you know, expanded definition of it, is that, is that a kind of, um, is that just in terms of the, the women that haven't been recognized in, in the movement? Is, is that what's energizing? Is that what you mean by that? Or is there another angle that is being taken on, on surrealism itself? Uh, yes, in addition to, to the women, also other countries who participated in the movement. Let's talk about Lenora Carrington. She's been a special interest of yours, Kurt. Yes, she has. She was the topic of my PhD dissertation, and I worked with her on and off for 10 years, and in 2004 published the first monograph on her work. It's still in print, and uh, people since that time have been increasingly interested in her work. And I've written numerous articles, and uh, perhaps people know that just uh, last year I published a book on her tarot cards. So let's talk about the book on her tarot cards, because that's what I'm interested in, and um, yeah, and, and Many listeners may also be interested in that if they haven't um, taken an interest already. So, so tell me oh, a little great. bit about that, because this isn't also unknown in the surrealist world. I think Dolly also created a tarot deck. Is, is that true? Oh, yes. It's a beautiful deck. 
and the Surrealists were interested in tarot cards and playing cards and fortune-telling. And alongside the increasing interest in women artists of the Surrealist movement, I think it corresponds to an increasing interest in esoterica, in astrology, and other forms of magical practices. And as we look at Leonora's work, we always saw it there. In 2018, um, my great uh, friend and curator, Dede Arc from Mexico, who I co-wrote the book with, she discovered while doing research for the big retrospective exhibition at the Museum of Modern Art, she found the major arcana of Leonora Carrington on painted panels in a private collection. This was shocking to us. We had no idea they existed, and we knew that we had to make them available to the public. So we began to look at her work very closely, and we realized, much to our surprise, even though we had been you know, writing about her and exhibiting her work for decades, we realized that a lot of her paintings and her plays and other pieces of literature were based on the tarot. So this was a very rich field for exploration. So we're, we're pretty proud of this publication. And so let's talk more about the publication and the, and the tarot. Um, so these were found on panel in a private collection. Were they the size of cards or were they much larger than cards? That's a great question. Actually, they were square in format instead of the typical rectangular format. And they were on um, typical panels that you would find in you know, an art shop. So they were bigger than cards. And they were never meant, I believe, to be played or used. We think, we believe that they were used as exercises that she did to fully understand each of the cards and the Kabbalistic pathway that they represented. So it was like an esoteric meditation of sorts. And she had favorite cards. And, and which one well, was favorite? And these were all, all 22 major arcana you're seeing were in the, in the right. possession of a private collector. Yeah, and the interesting thing about them is only two were dated and signed. And we don't really know. It was dated and signed 1955. We don't know when the rest were done. We don't know the sequence in which they were done. We don't know who she did them for, why she did them. We really know very little about the actual cards per se. So that, that's kind of interesting. Another beautiful aspect of these cards that's a little hard to tell with the illustrations is that they have a lot of metallic paint and actual gold leaf on them, on the original panels. And we think this corresponded to her interest in alchemy. That's just fascinating. So, so let's go through some of the cards, some of um, her favorites or, or cards that you might want to talk about in here so we can discuss sure. perhaps some of the symbols because that is quite mysterious that there's they're all together maybe yeah. um i mean you said you, you weren't sure in the sequence only two are signed 
do we know that they they were all authored by her? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, they're completely authentic, and I'll I'll start with the two cards that are signed, and those are the Magician and the High Priestess, and they're very beautiful cards. And I think it's interesting that they're the two uh, cards that are masculine and feminine. And she was very interested in the notion of the combining of genders. That was a common theme throughout her work. Now, the other card that I could talk a little bit more about was the hanged man. And the hanged man was a personal emblem for Leonora. We see it we see the hanged man embedded in many, many paintings. And in the book, I try to you know, very carefully uh, provide examples of all the times she used the hanged man. It's, it's an interesting card. It's, it's superficially you know, a card of self-sacrifice, um, hanging in limbo. Um, it, 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 but for her, I think it represented the many liminal states that she had gone through in her life, um, moving um, her incarceration in a mental institution. And the hanged man can also stand for letting go of the ego as a kind of final esoteric initiation and an acceptance of what's happened to you in your life. So it's a very powerful uh, card and personal symbol. So let's talk about that card a little more. So the Hangman card, um, the image I have of it is it looks like it's upside down, right? We usually see the Hangman hanging upside down. If I'm viewing it correctly, she painted it uh, upside down in a sense so that the the right way up is... um, is, is the figure looking like they're standing, like they're defying gravity? Well, I'm not sure if you have the image correctly done because uh, it is hanging upside down. Oh, it is hanging. Okay, okay. Yes, it is. But what's interesting about the hanged man is that, you know, you would think it's like a form of execution. It would be very uh, gruesome, right? But instead, the expression is serene and accepting Thing. And it's a beautiful purple color in the background, which is a very uh, spiritual color. And you probably see that. that and tiled floors and garments, again, to symbolize the reconciliation of opposites. So it's, 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 again, a very deep and mysterious card. It is, it is. And, and, and so are the others you, 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 know, you, you mentioned. Um, you know, it's the card of, of, the, of the magician is, is also seems, yeah, it does seem closely linked with alchemy, the idea of, you know, making something magical happen with, with the element. There's, there's so much we could talk about here in terms of alchemy and how she was influenced by it, but, but it is as, as you wrote this and looked through it, what was, what was your feeling about her 
the influence of, of alchemy and, and, and where did that come from? Because on, on one hand, it seems that, and I'm not sure what she, what she was kind of drawing from with the major arcana. It, it, it looks like it was the Rider weight deck, but I don't know if anything else was, was available then. Was she drawing um, on those symbols entirely or was it from somewhere else? What, what do you think was happening? That's a great question. That is a great question. We know she looked at many decks. And for certain, she was familiar with the Rider Weight, but also with the Marseille deck. But Carrington never, ever followed any kind of you know, prescription. She changed things. And that's what's really fascinating about her cards. And together, uh, Dede Ark and I tried to go in every card describe what is similar to the Weight deck, to the... Um, Marseille deck and what is completely original as she interpreted it. And I, I think that's fascinating. So, for example, the magician card, it's in black and white. Uh, so reduced down you know, to the bare minimum. And she loved the magician card. The magician is the trickster, and she was kind of a trickster herself in her life. Wicked sense of humor, always playing pranks on people. And the trickster is kind of a, you know, um, a person who goes between worlds. And the magician is also the artist. And she identified with the magician as a creator. So I hope that makes a little bit of sense. That does make sense. And um, and so this is exciting. The, the, the book is coming out, um, has come out correct? Yes, it has come out, and it was available on Amazon. I think it's sold out, but it will be reprinted very, very soon. It had enormous success. I did not anticipate uh, the level of success it had, so we're very happy people are interested in the tarot and in Carrington. And Carrington is still living, isn't she? No, she uh, passed away in 2011 at the age of 94, at the age of 94. And uh, she was a remarkable woman. I was very fortunate enough to spend many, many hours and days with her in her studio and in her home in Mexico City. And... Tell me a little bit about that. I mean, the, the book sounds exciting, and I hope people are are excited about it, and will and will also take an interest and and, and look at it or buy it. Um, what are some of the highlights from seeing her in her home? Uh, that must have been fantastic. Having conversations with it her was. was that before you you discovered the tarot? It was many, many, many years before, and she was wonderful. She was spunky and um, hilarious. And we smoked cigarettes and drank tequila into all hours of the night, even though she was in her 70s and into her 80s at the time. She could uh, really keep up with people. She was amusing, but very, very intelligent. And she was very politically astute. She read the newspapers. She was completely up-to-date on all current events. And although I focus on the esoteric, she was herself very much rooted in the real world. And so to talk about the esoteric a little bit, um, 
which you did focus on, um, there's by esoteric. You're really talking about alchemy, aren't you? In, in, in those teachings, or or you? Uh, no, um, Carrington was interested in all forms of magical practices, especially if they were non-patriarchal. So she was interested in Celtic mythology, ancient Egypt, ancient Mesopotamia. She visited Tibetan monasteries frequently when she lived in New York. So she was interested in Buddhism. She was very interested in the Kabbalah and in all forms of Jewish mysticism. Uh, She married a Hungarian Jewish photographer. And astrology, numerology, you name it, she was very interested in it. And also, she was um, part of a Gurdjieff group that met in Mexico City. I was going to ask about Gurdjieff, so so tell me about that. I just recently read the book on Frank Lloyd Wright's uh, fellowship, and it it was an extraordinary amount of space they spent on Gurdjieff and his influence um, you know, on Frank Lloyd Wright, but also just in America, around the world at that time. So, um, so that was something she was also involved in in Mexico. He had a group there. Yes, he did. Um, there was a, a British uh, person named Rodney Collin who uh, opened up a center of teaching of Gurdjieff. And um, there was also a follower of Uspensky, and they had uh, an enclave in a suburb outside of Mexico City, a more rural area. So she would meet with many people. Um, Many of them were British, but not all of them. And together they would study um, not only Gurdjieff and the Enneagram, but other forms of magical practices. Rosicrucianism, spiritualism, theosophy, you know, everything you can imagine. So that was during the 1950s and the 1960s. It was such a fascinating time, you know, in in terms of not just art but literature and and also the fascination of Guru Jeff seems, seems to have been widespread among artists and, and writers yeah. and, and, and very, very influential. I, I still can't quite wrap my head around exactly why, but he seemed to be a very magnetic and charismatic personality as well as, as intelligent. That's, that's very true. And she had a very, very close friend uh, named Remedios Varo, who was also a painter. And Remedios was very, very, very influenced by Gurdjieff, much more than Carrington. Carrington always kept her distance from movements and groups and joining, especially if they were headed by men. But her close, close friend was profoundly influenced by Gurdjieff. And the two women uh, worked together. And actually, that leads me into... Um, the next book that Tere Ark and I are completing right now, it's a book on the magical artistic collaboration between these two women artists. Because together they were studying you know, Mexican indigenous traditions. 
and they were um, you know looking at all different types they painted under certain you know astrological signs they used crystals they actually their their work can be seen almost as magical workings and not just you know simply paintings they they had a power to them well that's very exciting and that book is 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 you're just finishing that and that will does that have a yeah we're hoping that that will i think so probably we're hoping maybe by next spring and we really wanted to emphasize that um, the artistic relationships between women have been kind of neglected in art history. So we would like to foreground it because we think it was a really fascinating um, relationship. That's so very exciting. Excited. Yeah, um, so perhaps we should talk again when, when that book comes out. I'd love to hear more about that. And, uh, <laughs> I would love that. And, uh, yeah, I would love that, too. And, and thanks for sharing what you have about this book. I'm so glad you, you wrote this and, and, and we got to talk about it. There will be links in here so people can learn more. The last question I want to ask is, what are you yeah. reading at the moment? I am I'm reading an old classic. I'm reading Gaston Bachelard's The Poetics of Space. And the reason I'm reading that is because... Um, me and my colleagues at BARD are going to teach a course called Real and Imagined Spaces. And it's going to include the theater and art practices, art history, and writing. And so that is what I am rereading right now. I want to thank you so much for talking with me today. It's really been a pleasure. Uh, Susan, thank you, and I, and I wish you well with your forthcoming book as, as well as the one that just came out. Thank you. Delighted. Thank you. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. <laughs>